All right, this morning we are starting a new series called Discerning Truth. And in this series, we're going to be talk, uh, answering questions, simple questions like, uh, why is truth important? Can we know truth? Can we question our faith? How do we find truth? What is truth? You know, easy to answer questions. <laughs> and truth can sometimes be a tricky thing uh, because what's popular necessarily isn't necessarily true. And, and sometimes what we think is true, we later find out isn't true that it was a lie. And sometimes uh, the, the truth doesn't feel right. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes it goes against what we know and what we want. Take Santa Claus, for example. So Santa, uh, kids all around the world think Santa Claus is real. And uh, they believe he delivers Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, even though there's elves that help build all of this. And uh, if you don't know yet... He does. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are good. You guys are good. I like it. You're playing along. Okay. <laughs> if you're adverse to the truth, go ahead and plug your ears. Uh, Santa isn't real. I'm just going to say it. I know. So. And you're not the only one to be devastated. Watch this. Oh, well, why don't we uh, get some volume first before we watch it? <laughs> You know why we're here today? Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about Santa Claus. Well, where's Santa Claus? I know. I'm the North Pole. What else do you know about Santa? Too much cookies, huh? Yeah. Well, Mama and I have got something new to tell you. Can we break some news today? What are you filming? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Santa's a real. What happens to little boys and girls that don't believe in Santa? 
Well, they do Kwanzaa and Hanukkah. <laughs> Besides that... You're getting older, Kina. So it's time for you to know that Santa's not even real. It is real. Then what's your idea, though? My idea is that that's a big fake and no, Santa's real. Well, I think we all have Please a little... <laughs> Do you remember when you put milk in cookies? I was the one who drank the milk. Are you a Santa? I was the fake Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so in all this time, I've been thinking that Santa ate the cookies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the cookies are really good. <laughs> Why don't you want to believe the situation? Because Santa is real. No, he's not. What do you think? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Don't make me mean. Okay, look. I can prove that you two, you're not saying you know Miss Claus. Okay, okay Ask me a question that only Santa would know the answer to. Tell me all the reindeer names. Well, there's Dan <laughs> the Prancer, and Hubert. How many did I say? Are you okay with that? Yes. I see some tears. You okay? Yes. I need a few cookies. Mm -hmm. Your cookies are really good. <laughs> <laughs> I make them with all my heart. Oh. You have everything you want? Yes, yeah. Yeah, me and your mom. Yeah. It's all you need, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's Christmas all about, you guys? Family. Family. I'm you want me to be Santa? Yeah. I'll be Santa. I'm the Santa. You don't believe me. <laughs> Why do you not believe me that I'm Santa? I think you're my wish person. I'm the wish person? What's a wish person? Sometimes you make my wishes come true. While we're here being truthful, do you know who the truth fairy is? Okay. It's your mother. <laughs> so you met Santa Claus at your school the other day at the pancake breakfast at your school. What did yeah, you but have? that's the fake Santa Claus. That's Santa Claus's house. How do you know it was a fake Santa? Oh, snake. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. That's a good question. Uh-oh. You know, sneak peek here. I guess you'll get a sneak peek. So... In that video, we uh, saw kids uh, that were confronted by the hard... Oh, Amber, can you slide those two back sliders on so I'm not in the dark? On the wall back there to the right. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yep, you did it. Hmm. All right. No, no, that's good. The light's all the way up. That's... That's perfect. Okay, so these kids were confronted by the fact that uh, Santa isn't real. Now you have been confronted by the same truth. And uh, we all take the news a little differently. Uh, some of them uh, were very surprised and devastated. Some of them, you know, thought that was the truth all along. Um, the problem with believing a lie is that when you find out the truth, you feel kind of foolish, right? You feel, you feel ashamed, because you believed a lie for a long time. And you start to question a lot of other things. You, what else is a lie? What else is not true in my life? 
And uh, have, have you ever found yourself in a situation like that where you thought something was true and ended up realizing it wasn't? And then all of a sudden you're like, what else? What else is there that I believe that's wrong? I know I felt that way. Um, I felt that way, and I think we all probably have at one point. And we might have even believed in Santa Claus. Um, for example, uh, these kids, when they found out, they, they thought that that was the truth, right? But it didn't turn out to be as concrete as they thought. So the, the truth perhaps maybe seems relative sometimes. Uh, perhaps it can seem situational. Perhaps it can change over time. Maybe it seems that way. And when it comes to Santa, the truth might not change our lives very much that we find out he's not real. But let's take something way more important, like faith. Uh, Suddenly the stakes get a lot higher. I have a friend um, who believes that faith is actually uh, transient, right? He, He believes that it doesn't really matter much what you believe as long as you're practicing a good life and you're being kind. And there's nothing bad with being kind, but if you don't have grounding in what is true, then you don't even have the grounds to know what is good. You can see how this starts getting complicated. If you don't have truth, how do you define good? How, how can you come to know God if you don't know what's true? How do you judge what's right and wrong if you don't uh, have a basis for truth? You can see why truth starts to become really important when we try to figure out life's biggest questions. And my friend believes that all religions have truth, put that in quotations, have truth in them, and that all of them can make you arrive at God, whatever that is, through many avenues of belief. That's what he believes. And the question is, can we? Does the Bible say that's possible? How, how do we even start to say that statement is true or false? Well, we've only been going for a few minutes, and it's already getting really difficult and complicated <laughs> and philosophical, and there's a lot of these big questions. And the only way to eat this metaphorical elephant of truth is one truth bite at a time. So let's start by breaking down this really big, complicated topic uh, into simpler parts so that we can digest them one bit at a time. And a logical place to start, for me, I think, is to define what is even the word truth. Scripturally, from the Bible, what is truth? Well, as you have a sneak peek here, um, does anybody know what the Greek word for truth is? Wow, how did you know that right off the top of your head? Well, it's a compound word. Uh, There's a Greek prefix, uh, a, a, which means not, right? So you can think of agnostic, they don't believe or they can't believe you believe you can't. they believe you can't believe which is interesting there's apathy like no feeling and then the other part of this word is uh, lethia which comes from lethe which means to be hidden or to forget or to be concealed and we can see how uh, lethia the second part of this word is used second in second peter 1 9 that says but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. He's talking about a list of these godly qualities. So whoever doesn't have these is nearsighted and blind, forgetting, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That's Lathea right there. And so it could be said that the reality of their purity is hidden from them. 
right? They, they forgot about it. They lost sight of the truth that their sins have been forgiven. That's what this word here is saying. So aletheia, aletheia means not hidden. It means not concealed or not forgotten. You uh, can think of it as seeing truth, seeing the lack of illusion, rather, or rather a clarity of the reality of things, which is kind of a convoluted way to talk about it, but that's what this word means. It, truth is seeing the reality of things. The, the, it's hard to say a definition without saying truth. <laughs> it's tricky. It took me a while to think about even how to do that. So you would think that uh, seeing truth would be easy enough, right? But the reason truth is difficult to see is because it has been reconcealed. It has been hidden once again. And what conceals the truth? What conceals truth? Lies. Lies. Yeah, deception and lies. That's absolutely true. And partial truths, which look like truth, but they aren't quite truth. And they become really destructive. And there is also this forgetting of truth as well, where you know it at one point, but you lose sight of it. And so if you've been in home group for the last few weeks, this idea of uh, overcoming lies with truth is going to be really familiar to you. And it's been focused on rewiring the brain so that truth resides in our minds instead of lies. But the fact that lies conceal truth isn't unique to us, right? It isn't a modern-day problem, I mean. It isn't new. It's been around for a long time. And the earliest words of Scripture hold this truth in it. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. So God just creates everything, which it's amazing how nonchalantly I said that. So God just creates everything. He speaks it into being. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. Um, and then he has these people to deal with. He creates people. And he places them in the, in the garden. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2. We're looking at verse 16 right now. Chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. That's where we're starting. So these are the very first words that God ever spoke to humans recorded in Scripture. Pretty big deal. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, For any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Now in Hebrews, surely die means like die-die. Like it means no doubts about it, you are going to die. God is being ex- extremely clear. That the, the truth of the matter is, if you eat this fruit, you are going to 100% die. Okay? Very, very absolute, very clear truth. Now, just a chapter later, we see how the serpent changes the language that God spoke to them to conceal the truth. To, to partially hide it, so that it looks similar, but it's not the same thing when he's talking to Adam and Eve. So look at Genesis chapter 3 here with me. We're going to read verses 2 through 5. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. So she's got the point. Then the serpent comes in. He says, said to the woman, You surely will not die. Now in Hebrew, those are the exact same words with just one little not in front of it. So the exact same words, it's just changed one little bit. 
you will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So you see how the serpent takes this truth. God revealed it. He gave it. It's not hidden anymore. You're going to die if you eat of this tree. And the serpent takes it and hides that truth. Hides it in lies. Saying, you're going to be like God. He's catering to their pride. He says, you're going to be like God. You're not going to die. The exact same words, just one little change. And he muddies the water by, I think, pricking at the pride that's in our hearts, in, in, in Adam and Eve's hearts, and their desires to make their own path, right? To make their own way, to, to be their own people, to know what it's like to be God. I think that's a pursuit that man has fallen into many times. So what happens? Adam and Eve, they forego truth. They choose their selfishness instead of truth. They choose the lie. And that concealing of truth and the, and the, the covering with lies has been happening ever since. Right? It, it never stopped. Here it is right at the beginning. It has never stopped. But not all hope is lost. Right? That doesn't mean we're just unable to find truth. Because God is a truth revealer, right? God reveals truth. And we're not talking about that right now. We're going to cover that in another week. Because he, he wields the power to destroy lies. That's true. But we're going, to, we're going to cover it later. Now we're going to move momentarily to talking about why truth is important. So why even bother with the truth? Does it have any consequences? Or is it just the pursuit of an intellectual or someone who just is bored? And they want to know what really is real. Or is it important? Does it mean something? And I think Paul makes a pretty good case here in Romans chapter 2. You can turn there with me, but I also have it up here on the screen. Romans chapter 2, 5 through 8 says this. But because of your stubbornness, it just hurts to hear Paul call people out like that because he's talking to us. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. So Paul makes a pretty strong case here as to why truth might be important. Because he says truth can save us. But notice that truth alone doesn't save us. It is truth that is practiced that saves us. Those who put effort into doing good find eternal life. Those who know the truth and they follow it. Once again, what is good? You know, you have to have a definition of truth in order to define good and bad. But besides the point, if we know the truth and we decide to follow it, it leads to eternal life. However, if we know the truth and we decide to do our own thing, that leads us to wrath and judgment. And an interesting point here, the word for unrighteousness in Greek, I think gives us another facet of understanding for this topic. So we're going to talk about it for a second. The Greek word translated unrighteousness as adikia. adikia. It's like 
a kia at the end. So a deep kia. We get some of the definition, I think, just from the surrounding context of the word. So the Greek word translated unrighteousness is a dikia. And this unrighteousness is paralleled right here in verse 8. So unrighteousness is paralleled with not obeying the truth. Which means unrighteousness implies knowing the truth while ignoring it at the same time. So it's a pretty dangerous trick here where you know what you're supposed to be doing, you know what's right, yet you're purposefully ignoring it. Unrighteousness has a pretty serious weight. And it sounds an awful lot like what Adam and Eve did in Genesis, right? They knew the truth. They knew it. Eve quoted it to the serpent, but they chose to ignore it. Quite literally, unrighteousness can be translated as not obeying the truth here, but it can also be translated as choosing falsehood which is pretty interesting. That instead of choosing truth, you choose what is not true so that it suits you, your selfish ambition. Right? It, it pleases you instead. And choosing this false life leads to uncomfortable things for us, right, in the long run. And that is the truth. Now, let's put our discussion in Romans here on hold for a second, and let's look at a passage here from John 8. We're not going to go deep into it. I just want to look at it for a second. So Jesus uh, is speaking to the Jews who had believed in him, and he says, If you continue in my word, then you truly are disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free or set you free. It's a very popular verse. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone, which is not true. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. So another clear benefit, and therefore why truth is important, is because it brings freedom. But once again, it is... It comes with the caveat of obedience. So the gift of truth, this eternal life, this freedom, comes with obedience attached to it. As Jesus said, continuing in his word, which has this language of actually doing something with it, right? Living it out. And the slave to sin language also sounds a lot like the obeying unrighteousness that we read in Romans chapter 2. So either we are obedient to unrighteousness or we are obedient to the truth. We are either free or we are slaves to sin, slaves to unrighteousness, slaves to darkness. And as far as I can tell, those are the only two groups. Like, there's no third group or middle ground or something completely outside of those. That's it. You've got two choices. You got two options. You, you either are living in the truth or you're living against the truth. Those are some pretty high stakes because on one side of it is eternal life and on the other side of it is wrath. But in a world with so many ideas and where lies abound, the truth can be hard to find and it can be even harder to follow. And no one wants to believe a lie, right? Right? Right. Hopefully. 
No one wants to be a slave to darkness. No one wants that because it brings shame. You don't want to be ashamed of your beliefs. You don't want to be ashamed of your practices. You don't want to look like a fool, right? Foolishness is generally frowned upon. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15. I got it right here for you. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as workmen who do not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And if we don't find, if we don't find truth, and if we handle it improperly, our end result is going to be shame in front of our Creator, which is a pretty big deal. And it will come with judgment, a shameful judgment, and we'll be found as fools because we didn't take hold of the truth when we had the chance. We didn't do anything with it. We didn't follow it. And that is why truth is so important. And on top of that, truth affects the areas of our lives, every area of our lives. It affects how we talk. It affects who we talk to, what we do, how we spend our money, what we prioritize, and all the other categories. Truth is so, 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 so important. And so if someone says that the truth isn't important, they say that to you for some reason, or they say that kindness or some either ideal is the most important thing, then truth, if they say that, they're wrong. They're absolutely categorically wrong because truth leads to the correct ideals. Truth leads to life. Truth is the fundamental part of what we should be searching for. Without it, our lives become confused and difficult and filled with pain and pitfalls and lies. That's all it is. So, what do you want to take away from today? Remember that this is just the beginning of the conversation. right? We are only in the first part of the series where we're talking about truth. So we're going to dive deeper into these other topics in the coming weeks. So if you feel a tension inside, you're like, I feel like I have a lot of questions and we didn't really answer that much, that's a good thing. That means you want to come back and listen and talk about it some more. But for today, let's try and walk away with some concrete ideas that will help us affect our lives. Number one, I think the truth that we saw today is that truth brings responsibility. Right, as we saw in 2 Timothy 2.15, it is up to us to correctly handle the word of truth so that when we stand before our Creator, we stand approved. We don't stand ashamed. We stand in rejoicing instead of wrath. And the responsibility means that we have to work and we have to do it diligently. As Paul says in Romans, it is going to take perseverance, that's the word he uses, to walk through this life Seeking to do good and follow the truth. So being selfish is much easier, for sure. And it's usually the easier decision for us to make because it feels good. It gratifies us. It seems to build us up and it seems to make us happy. But in the end, selfishness only nourishes us temporarily. It doesn't actually fulfill us. It cannot sustain us. Lies cannot sustain us through hard times. When you believe in a lie and you're confronted by truth, you break. And that's usually when you find out you've been believing a lie, is when things get hard. They do not stand up to the test of time. They don't allow us to be courageous or bold or powerful. But truth demands us to be responsible. It brings us into freedom. It gives us power. It gives us a sound mind. It gives us peace. Number two, don't let yourself forget the truth. 
So the opposite of truth is that which is forgotten or hidden. Right? Saw that from Aletheia. It is one thing to find truth, but that's not where it stops. If we don't hold on to it with everything that we have, we are going to misstep and allow ourselves to be blinded by other things, by other lies. And we're going to lose sight of the truth. And our ego and our pride and our selfishness are going to draw us towards that. That's what we saw with Adam and Eve. That's happened with everybody at some point. We know that. We're going to run into a million different situations every week where our truth, where truth is going to be confronted by our desires. And we shouldn't forget it. We shouldn't put it to the side. We shouldn't choose anything else other than truth. And number three, and I want you to be okay with not knowing everything. <laughs> oh. I know that it may be hard to hear, right? <laughs> You're not going to know everything. I, I know the intellectual types in here, the, the, what is the Enneagram number, the, one, the, the analytical ones? Fives. The fives on the Enneagram or whatever. They want to know everything. I, I mean, we all get comfortable with knowledge, right? It makes us feel good knowing what's going to happen. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, you will never know everything. However, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means there is a constant path of growth and personal improvement that you can walk on where you can search for more understanding, where you can find peace and reassurance that you're resting on God and his power, not on your knowledge and your power. It's kind of actually freeing to know that you're not going to know everything. And so as we go through this series, you're not going to come away... um, with every answer, for sure. Like I said, that's okay. Because it keeps us focused, keeps us oriented ourselves forward on pursuit of God who does have all knowledge and truth. So I hope that this discussion this morning has whet your appetite, has made you a little bit thirsty to continue the discussion. And... The series is going to go over some really juicy stuff. Eventually, we're going to get to really difficult questions. I'm not sure even how well I'm going to answer them because they are really tricky questions, but I'm going to do my best. And with your help, hopefully we can answer questions like, how can we know that the Bible is true? How can we uh, compare different opinions within faith and discern the truth? Can I even question my faith? Am I allowed to do that? And we, so we have, a lot of, we have a lot of ground to cover. Those are just parts of the discussion, which is fun because it means we have a lot of growth still in us. So let's walk hand in hand as we search for truth and join me in prayer this morning. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and to start talking about truth, something so important to you and your son that you mentioned all throughout Scripture. I pray that you help us to correctly handle that, to discern the truth, to follow it with all of our hearts, and to be encouraged by the opportunity to grow. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.